0: Listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Hopefully, you've had a, had a good weekend, and uh, my weekend. Uh, Actually, it's been great, uh, although it was kind of shaky uh, going into the weekend with my team losing in the NCAA uh, tournament, and so I was kind of bummed out about that, but it's been a great weekend, so I've, I've forgotten now, but anyways, um, yesterday was, uh, if you would have been here, this this room was rearranged as uh, we had the Cub Scouts did their Pinewood Derby year, and uh, so that w- that was exciting, chairs moved out. Uh, race cars moved in, but then they moved out and chairs moved back in, so we're thrilled that uh, we could partner with the Cub Scouts and be hopefully uh, be a blessing to them and serve the community in that way. Uh, our family, we've had a had a big weekend as well. We uh, had a number of our family members, unfortunately we've kind of got the stomach bug going through our family too, but a uh, number of our family members in town, and we're grateful for that. Uh, this, as, as many of you know, uh, and you've seen a picture too through the years, that uh, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, uh, but we, this this weekend, we found out uh, we were expecting grandbaby number two. Our son and daughter-in-law are expecting, so we had the, the baby shower yesterday. It was the big gender reveal party, okay? Was it a boy or a girl? And we had all these pink and blue cupcakes, and you were supposed to dress either in pink or blue, and uh, I wore a pink shirt with blue stripes because I was noncommittal. But uh, uh, anyways, then you had to eat into the cupcake to determine what uh, the gender was, and here's a picture of my lovely wife, and you can see it's a pink uh, filling, and so we're expecting granddaughter number two in June, so we're excited about that. So Aren't you the lucky ones? You get to see more pictures, okay, (laughs) coming up. That's great. Well, throughout this uh, message series entitled Encounters, we've been looking at specific encounters that individuals have had had with Jesus as they are recorded in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have a a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to turn to Mark, uh, which is the second book of the New Testament. We're going to be looking today at a series of four powerful encounters between Jesus and some individuals who are facing some extremely difficult and even situations in their lives. Now, each of these stories, and and Mark, by the way, likes to sandwich stories together as he tells the the Jesus story. We're going to look at only three of these four stories, but if you're intrigued, you can read all four of them as back-to-back. We see individuals who are facing desperate situations in life, and yet in each of these cases, in their encounter with Jesus, they learn that they can overcome their fear through faith. And so we've entitled this weekend's message desperate faith. With that said, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to truly be at work in our time and uh, help us as we hopefully all encounter Jesus today in a fresh way. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you, Father, for, for your love. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that, that came to be our cornerstone, our foundation for life, our Savior and, Father, we're thankful that in the Bible we, we see these encounters that he had with various people. And, and, Father, they're written in such a way for us to also encounter him. And I pray that that will be the case today. I pray that your spirit will work through me and guide me and give me the wisdom to know how to present this message in such a way that we will all truly experience in this reading what it means to come face to face with Jesus. And as we face sometimes difficult times in our life, I pray that we'll be encouraged and that we'll be drawn to you during this time. It's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, our Bible readings for this weekend are found in the fourth and fifth chapter of Mark. We're going to begin in Chapter 4, verse 36. One commentator describing this section that we're going to be reading together today said, This section of Mark is his best overview of the range of Jesus' miraculous power. It underscores what the reader already knows about Jesus' identity. He is the Christ, the Son of God. And in each desperate situation, we'll see that, as I mentioned earlier, that through faith, individuals Can overcome fear. So let's begin with our first observation that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can experience calm even in the face of disaster. In our first encounter, we see this calmness demonstrated by Jesus himself through the impending disaster of a literal storm. We read about in verse 36, it says, they took Jesus, they being the Twelve disciples took Jesus in the boat and started out. In verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waters were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Can you picture this scene in your mind? Jesus goes out with his twelve first followers, his disciples, and, and they're in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I had the privilege uh, six years ago to go to Israel, and the Sea of Galilee is this beautiful uh, lake that's surrounded by mountains, and, and, and storms can come in off those mountains and, and, and just be a, a fierce storm all of a sudden. And one translation describes this fierce storm that Mark records in Mark 4 as a furious squall. I had to look up what a squall was but a squall is a is a sudden burst of increased velocity of winds Mark describes this disastrous event as highways break into the boat and, and the boat begins to take water. I tried to allow myself to feel this as I was reading and I, I thought back to when our family went on vacation and well, whitewater rafting in West Virginia and, and I was supposed to be steering up front and at times I would be knocked into the boat and I'd get yelled out by, gu- by the guide and I'm like, okay. But it was just, it, it could be overwhelming and I, I can't imagine that was just on a beautiful day. What about on a storm? Well, Jesus responds in this moment of, of potential disaster. Let's see how he responds. In verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I'm really grateful that the Bible records the struggles that people like you and me had with faith. You see, as we examine these encounters, we, we see how these people that were first following Jesus, how they responded. And we often see ourselves in that as well. Of course, we have the advantage of knowing the end of the story. And yet, when you think about it, you know, I, I thought about this Probably at that time, of course, they didn 't realize this, but probably at that time, the safest place to be in this whole planet was in a boat with Jesus, okay I mean, the Son of god that 's probably the safest place for them to be but but they don 't realize that and 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 they're they 're stressing they 're overwhelmed and and they look, and there they see Jesus, the Messiah of the world, in the back of the boat, taking a nap, and yet in in this moment, these guys who, many of them were fishermen, they, they aren't novices like me and how I might have reacted, but they're used to sailing in the Sea of Galilee and they, they even are fearful. They fear that they might drown and perish. What do you notice about their focus? Immediately when they're hit with this impending disaster that the, they... They asked Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, I'm not sure when they said we, did they include Jesus in that? Were they concerned about him? Or did they just sink into self-pity saying, Jesus, don't you care about us? You know, still to this day, so often when we fear disaster in our lives, we can easily sink into doubt or self-pity. Asking, does God care about me? Will God simply let this disaster overwhelm me? How do you respond in the moment of testing? What we see over and over again in Scripture is that that doubt isn't really what stands in the way of faith. It's fear. We see that over and over again, and we see that in these four stories back-to-back in Mark, that that fear is that opponent of faith. Our fear is what prevents us from having a confident, courageous faith. And yet the good news is that, that, as we will see as we keep reading, that Jesus calls them and he calls us to a faith in him and a power that he has that will enable us to overcome our fears. Let's keep reading in verse 39. It says, Then Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I absolutely love this story as we see Jesus' amazing raw power on display. Jesus is so powerful that he can simply tell the winds and waves of a fierce storm be silent and they'll be silent. Be still and there was immediate calm. You know, by the way, I don't think that the waves one moment are are, are beating against the boat and then the next moment it kind of is like a ripple and then it kinda, I just I just picture in my mind when Jesus says silence be still that the waves stop immediately and the Sea of Galilee is this calm, calm lake. And in that moment, Jesus says to his followers and asks them boldly, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Maybe some of you are facing a storm right now in your life. Maybe you've been going through a a stormy, turbulent time in your marriage or your family. And if you're really honest with yourself, maybe at times you've been fearful whether or not that relationship is going to survive, whether the marriage is going to stay intact, whether the family, as you know, it's going to make it. And maybe what you need to hear Jesus say into your life this morning is, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Maybe in your life, things are going well in your marriage or family, but maybe it's a stormy, unsettling time at work. And you've found yourself wondering, am I going to survive the next round of cut, cuts and, and, and you know, people being uh, losing their jobs? Possibly you've found yourself swamped Maybe your job secure, but you just feel overwhelmed at work. You, you, you're fearful that you're not going to be able to keep up with your current workload and meet all the deadlines that are coming. Maybe you're a student, and, and you feel overwhelmed with the demands of the semester and, and keeping up with the assignments, and, and you find yourself asking, does God care for my predicament at school or at work? Possibly you're facing a storm, of financial challenge, and you feel like you're drowning in debt, and maybe you ask yourself, where's God in this mess? You see, it's in those moments of desperation that we still need to hear Jesus say to us, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, if we just remember that we've been invited to trust and follow Jesus, and he promises us that he will be our cornerstone, that he will be that foundation that's secure, that we can have confidence in, and that even if things get shaky around us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. It's in those moments that we need to hear him say to us, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, this brings us to our second encounter of this section of Mark. And in my opinion, this is the strangest encounter recorded in Mark's gospel. And yet in the midst of this bizarre encounter, we, we're going to see once again the incredible power of Jesus Christ. And we see in this encounter that once again that faith in Jesus will enable us to have freedoms, freedom from demons or The demonic. Now, after the incredible faith lesson in the storm, we read this in Mark chapter five, verse one. So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even. With a chain, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial clothes—excuse me, burial caves—and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Wow. Can you picture this guy? You know, I've got a bit of an imagination, and and when I read texts like this, I ask myself, okay, if this were a blockbuster movie today, okay, who would play this, this demon-possessed man? And so I tried to think about that, and I thought, and I even asked our staff, who do you think would play this guy? And and And... You know, one name that came up was Christopher Walken. You know, he's just kind of bizarre, weird guy. Okay, if you don't know who he is, Google him, okay? But uh, I, I kind of thought of him, or I thought if, if it was for comedic relief, you know, and this telling of Jesus' story, maybe maybe Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell, you know. Uh, and, and I just, I just picture this, this guy that's got these kind of crazy-looking eyes and this scary beard maybe foaming at the mouth, and he's out of control. That's what I picture in my mind. Now, at first glance, we could easily say, well, we don't have people like that today. We don't have people that are so impacted by evil spirits that they're chained and shackled. We don't have people who are repeatedly inflicting harm upon themselves and pushing people away from them. And then I paused for a minute. I thought, really? Maybe some of you can relate to this guy. Have you ever tried to push through a destructive addiction in which you find yourself continually doing the very things you don't want to do? Have you ever ended up repeating the same self-destructive habit over and over again in your life only to hurt yourself? Maybe some of you say, well, I I don't know that I've had an addiction like that. Well, maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever tried to help someone who's caught up in an addiction? And the more you try to help them, the more you try to reach out and try to intervene, the more they push you away. And the more they end up resorting to living in isolation. You see... I'm wondering if we still have people like Legion, this guy that we're going to learn that's his name in a minute, around today. But maybe we call it something else. Maybe we call it an addiction to a substance, an an addiction to alcohol or prescription drugs. Or maybe an addiction to pornography, gambling, food disorder, cutting, you fill in the blank. You see, in our 21st century world, we still see people continuing to hurt themselves and often the people around them. Now, one of the things that I continue to notice as I read through the Gospels is that there seems to be a high number of people in the Gospels who are either demon-possessed or inflicted by evil spirits who have these dramatic encounters with Jesus and I'm wondering if it's because of their desperate condition that they saw their desperate need for intervention. They saw their desperate need for a savior. They saw their desperate need for Jesus' power to be unleashed in their life. You see, we all need life-changing encounters with Jesus. And yet sometimes it's not until we get to that desperate time in our life that we see a need for a power beyond ourselves, that we see our need for a savior, we see our need for a redeemer to come into our life and to make all the difference. Now with that said, I wanted to announce today that beginning the week after Easter, we're going to be launching into something new here at Southwest in partnership with the YMCA. You know, this year the word "new" is a big word for us around here, and it's new, it, big in my life. And and so, one of the new things we want to um, uh, 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 launch is uh, a new support recovery group entitled "Journey to Freedom." We're going to do this in the partnership with the YMCA, and actually, it's going to be facilitated by a YMCA uh, director from Nashville, Tennessee. But but at the, He's written this book, and and we're going to unveil that. We're going to make books available. But in the book, in the very first chapter, we have this quote. It says, the journey to a lifetime of hope, health, and happiness begins when we say, I want to change. I want to be made well. If that speaks to you, if you say, yeah, I'm tired of hurting myself, I'm tired of hurting people around me, I want to change it, but you don't even know where to begin, then I want to encourage you, keep your eyes open. We're going to have more details about this group that's going to start Thursday, the Thursday after Easter. It's going to be in Bulletin next week, but maybe just put on the communication card today. Sign me up for that recovery group. You see, we want to help. People at every point of life encounter Jesus. And sometimes it's in those desperate times that we see our need. Now here's the good news. The incredible authority and power that Jesus had at his disposal when he walked on this earth is still available today for all who will trust him and put their faith in him. He hasn't lost any of his power. And yet, we have to acknowledge that at times, his power can be a bit intimidating. Somebody that's new to Jesus. Let's keep reading in this story and see what happens next. In verse 6, it says, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of God, Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Now here's the interesting thing. Here this guy's been tormented by the, these evil spirits and yet he's fearful that Jesus will torment him more. You know, I think that that still takes place today. I think people can be miserable in their life, but they're still fearful to give Jesus a chance to make a difference. And I think that sometimes it's easy for those who have half-heartedly tried to follow Jesus and his teachings, and yet they're honest with themselves. They're still half-miserable. They, they think, well, if I totally surrender to Jesus, I'll be totally miserable. But see, the truth of it is it's just the opposite. It's not until we totally surrender to Jesus' leadership in our life that we can find real freedom. Maybe it's because you've never really trusted Jesus enough to pull out all the stops. Maybe you've been fearful, like this guy was, of what he might call you to do. In this story, Jesus continues to love this guy, and he calls him not only to... to a point of healing in his life, but he also invites him to a relationship. I love that about Jesus. As we keep reading in verse 9, it says, Then Jesus demanded, What, what is your name? Yeah, he could have just healed him, but Jesus cares deeply about the individual. And, and, and this guy replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place now in jesus day a roman legion was six thousand soldiers which means that by taking the name legion this guy's saying i've got thousands of evil spirits that are tormenting me now i don't claim to understand everything about evil spirits and the demonic I, i i don't even know if i want to understand all that okay I accept that it's real. I accept that it's, a, 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 it's out there. And even as I read this story and stories like this, sometimes I leave with even more questions than I had before I began. And yet, if you keep reading in verse 11, 13, you would see that these evil spirits asked to be transferred into a herd of pigs now, this was obviously, by the way, when I was on the Sea of Galilee on a boat, they pointed to a part on the east side of the lake that, that we believe this account took place. And that was kind of cool to see that. it was the side of the lake that, that non-Jewish people lived. You see the Jewish people considered pigs unclean. So this was an area where non-Jewish people lived, and they, there was a herd of pigs. And... Uh, and so we find here that, the, that Jesus actually cast the evil spirits into this, these 2,000 pigs and they run off a cliff into the sea. This is our first example of history of deviled ham, okay? You have to think about that. Okay. Need a rim shot. Okay, but anyways. You see, I don't understand everything about this encounter, but I do understand that Jesus has more power than evil. I do understand that Jesus' power is incredible and that his power can make a difference in anybody's life, that no one's too far gone for Jesus to make a difference. As we keep reading Mark's description of Legion, we find the following in verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. We see fear once again. They're afraid of the chains that's happened in this man. Verse 16 those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. Jesus' power translated into freedom for legion who was formerly in chains and had been tormented by these demonic spirits, and yet now he's clothed perfectly sane and free. He wants to follow Jesus, but Jesus says, he wants to be a part of Jesus' band of followers, but Jesus says, no, you just go tell your family and the people around you. He goes and tells 10 cities, it says. He is so grateful for the difference that Jesus has made in his life. Our third and final encounter in Mark 5 we want to look at today, we learn that there's hope for anyone who feels desperate if we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus. I think this next encounter will especially speak to any parent or grandparent because we're going to look at a dad who felt desperate for his daughter. Now, on the subject of parenting Uh, Eric mentioned earlier, next weekend is going to be our parent-child dedication. That's not just for families with babies. It's for families that have children that they would like prayers for for, uh, their parenting and prayers for their children to grow up, to love Jesus, and to make a decision to follow him in their life. And if you've not yet signed up, it's not too late. We'd love for, for as many to participate in this as can. But as we read this third encounter in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we read this, hope for the desperate. Jesus got into a boat again. All these stories surround the Sea of Galilee and Jesus being in a boat. Jesus got in the boat again went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. I love this encounter between Jesus and this desperate dad. I went back and looked in our teaching history here. We we actually taught this passage. I taught from this passage just about a year ago. And so I thought, if any of you remember that, you probably don't, but if you did, I thought instead of me just teaching this passage again, I, I thought it'd be better to listen to someone who's lived this. So let's listen in to one of the families here at Southwest as they tell their story.
1: Uh, hi Southwest Church, this is Nick and Vicki Kaprowitz, and uh, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with you today, and uh, we we'll are be talking about the story of the little girl in Mark chapter 5, and in many ways that little girl is our daughter, Claire Kaprowitz. Claire was literally um, at the very edge of her life and we prayed and prayed and prayed like we never had before, ever in our lives. Our our very souls, I think, were exposed to the Lord, especially on those first few days. And we we prayed constantly, you know, Claire's bedside when we could, uh, whenever Claire was in surgery, which was often, we were down at the chapel praying and praying and praying. And in the chapel, uh, there was a very large window. Of, of stained glass, and each section had uh, represented a story, a, a part of scripture, and there was one stained glass image in particular uh, that represented the story of the little girl here in Mark chapter 5, and that image is something that, you know, it, it, it spoke to our heart. It's something that we saw every single day, uh, many times, multiple times a day uh, when, we were, when we were praying for Claire's for uh, survival at first and, and, and her strength and her recovery. And, but but seeing that uh, every single day, we were in the hospital for 107 days. That that really, truly spoke to our hearts. And that was a very special uh, time. Jesus healed uh, during his time on earth. We we see that in a number of instances throughout scripture. We see that in the story of the little girl. And Jesus still heals uh, through this very day. And we've learned a lot uh, about people who have survived and recovered uh, from the type of injury that, that Claire had experienced. And um, the faith in Jesus Christ that all of these people who have recovered have had is immense. And they've been surrounded by prayer. I like to say an army of prayer warriors have been you know, praying for them, uh, rooting for them uh, in every possible way. And there's two stories in particular. Uh, one, uh, Catherine Wolfe, and the second, uh, Kate Adamson, uh, they've each written books about their experience. Uh, they now speak in, in public and have you know, taken on a, a new life of, of, of hope and outreach and, 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 and mission, you know, Christ's mission, and that is just incredible. And as you read through their stories, uh, they're so similar to Claire's story. And something I had shared recently was that entire pages of their books, you could substitute the name Claire for, for their name. And the pages read read perfectly. And it's such a beautiful, amazing story. And it takes years. It took them years to recover. Uh, recovering from a traumatic brain injury is something that's on a very different time scale than other types of injuries. And you know, we have you know this renewed hope and confidence um, you know, that Claire will be healed based on you know, what, what we see and, uh, and the love that uh, we all have in, in Jesus Christ because His love never fails. And it will not let us down. Uh, One, I think it's with every prayer request I've ever submitted, it's for strength. Uh, Recovery from a traumatic brain injury is extremely taxing. Uh, One of the survivors, she described it as brushing her hair was like running a marathon. It's just incredibly tiring. Everything is hard. And it takes a very, very long time to rebuild that strength and stamina. And that is something that Claire uh, desperately needs. Um, And also in terms of strength uh, for our family, uh, this this is a very difficult journey. Uh, and it's one that, that is tiring. And I would uh, like to uh, ask everyone to, you know, to pray for our entire family, especially Vicky, who spent so much time you know, caring for Claire and is with her you know, you know, more, than, more than me, more than anyone. And I just pray that you know, she can be refreshed and renewed. Uh, the second one was a clear direction for therapies. Uh, Claire has a number of intensive therapies, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. Uh, these are done uh, outpatient at Cincinnati Children's Medical Center. Uh, these are done uh, at school, uh, in in home. We have uh, in home therapists, and uh, even this week when this video was recorded, uh, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, actually at a, at a at a place called the Conductive Learning Center, which is a very very intensive uh, type of therapy for Claire. And what we want to pray for, what we would ask you all to pray for, is that we can have. Uh, you know the, the exact right direction for Claire. You know what? How is Claire going to get the most benefit? And so, as there's some um, you know, churn and, and some changes, and as Claire continues to recover and grow stronger, uh, we just pray that um, you know, we can be shown the right path to, to follow. And the third uh, specific prayer request was for a breakthrough in communication. Uh, everyone who knows Claire knows that you know, you know, she is just so outgoing and, and has so much energy and you know this experience has you know kept her voice and uh tracked and and her ability to communicate is, is very slow and it's very limited right now and there's a number of electronic devices that that we're working with and uh you know her voice she can mouth words now and there's a little bit of you know, sound that can come out and that's something that we just want to pray for a breakthrough and claire has something that uh, i call lake claire are kind of behind there and over the last you know, year and, and seven months um, you know, there's so much that she's experienced, so much that she has to say, and I just pray that uh, that, that can all come you know, bursting forth in a, in a glorious and truly miraculous way. Uh, that's why I had to share. Uh, thank you again, Southwest Church.
0: If you want to uh, be able to pray specifically about what Nick asked us to pray, that's listed in the prayer section of the bulletin, and we want to invite you to, to join in praying for them, praying for Claire's recovery. I wear this bracelet and pray every morning for Claire to have a complete recovery. And I'm looking forward to that day when we can celebrate that as a church. I believe that day's coming. Let's let's finish our time by reading the rest of the story in Mark five, verse thirty-eight. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said to her, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, which is Claire's age, immediately stood up and walked around they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. This is the only example in Mark's gospel of Jesus resurrecting someone else from the dead. And yet it stands as a reminder that faith makes a difference in our lives, even at the most desperate times. Whether it's the when we face disaster, whether it's when we face the demonic, whether it's when we face disease or even when we face that which most people dread the most, that death. And this story is a marker pointing toward the end of Mark's gospel when the gospel writer would record that Jesus himself would face the desperation of death. And yet, just like the little girl's story, Jesus' story is not going to end with death but life. And because of Jesus' life and because of his resurrection, he invites people of every generation to relationship, to trust him. He's left us this ongoing reminder, what we call the Lord's Supper, that continues to be an opportunity for us to remember that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is alive. You see, this communion that we participate in every weekend here at Southwest is not a memorial to a dead person, but it's, a, it's an invitation to a relationship to a living Savior. And yet, as we take communion today, as we take the bread, as we take the cup to remember Jesus, let's make sure that he is the focus and the the center, the cornerstone of our faith. And let's ask ourselves, do we have the faith and trust to continue to believe that Jesus' power will be lived out in our lives even at times when it seems desperate. Let's have the courage to live out a desperate faith, trusting in a living Savior. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for these great stories of faith that we've read today. And thank you, Father, for how that even though they struggled with their faith, we can see ourselves in those stories. Help us center our minds and focus our hearts during this time of communion on our hope and that that's Jesus, our Savior, is alive. He overcame death, the demonic, and disasters. Help us put our faith totally in him. No matter what we might be facing right now in life, and allow us to experience a calmness and an anticipation of what you want to do in our lives in the future as we celebrate the power and the victory of Jesus now. It's in his name we pray. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings. Saturdays at
1: 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and 11.15 a.m.